Tim O'Brien reeled in one of the all-time great marks when Jai Newcomb kicked his first goal when DGB made his debut. Yes, it was an eventful win over the Giants to say the least, and one that was really pleasing indeed. In fact, we had three wins on the weekend, so there's plenty to discuss right here on the Hawk Talk podcast. My name is Nick Mason, and Tiz, this episode marks the debut of your new segment, Connor Corner. <laughs> you should not encourage me, mate. You know, it's he played remarkably well. I cannot believe we're leading with this. Of this of all weeks, we've got so much to talk about, but I figured we'd get it out of your system now, so you're not interrupting me all the way to our review of Box Hill's game. No, no, I, I just had it on my mind, because you haven't let me have my phone for about half an hour, because... The teams have come out. You won't tell me who's in. I'm not going to tell you who's in because I thought we'd do something a bit different this week. You know, it's rarely the case that we get an opportunity to do a a live team announcement for either one of us on the pod. You wouldn't even let me look at the television screens at the pub. It's ridiculous. Yeah, no, not having that. Phones away. We're doing this. Okay. But no, you you do have Connor Corner because you're immensely proud of your, uh, what are we we calling him? Yeah. Your favourite? Love child. Yeah. Love child. Okay. <laughs> right. Just to clarify that, make it official. No, I've just had on expectations pod. on him for years, as everyone knows, and, and it looks like maybe. <laughs> Hopefully it's not a false dawn, but here he is putting himself out there, didn't return to Ireland, hasn't seen his family for yonkers now. Mm-hmm. Good luck to him. And, you know, in the midfield, breaking Aspley up is good. I enjoyed it. Fantastic. Anyway, move on. <laughs> I didn't know when you were going to stop. I had to give you your time and space to get it all out there. We'll return to it later in the podcast. I promise, Tiz. We'll talk about Connor Nash a little more. But we need to talk about what a fun day at the footy it was on Sunday. I know it's been a few days now. We've had busy schedules and it's been hard to hit record. But we're back and we're here to talk about the game that it was. Bloody good win. Yeah. And they wanted it. They did. Well, they sort of... It was a reprisal of the, the kind of spirit that we've been seeing for a few weeks now. After the bye, I thought we, we've definitely applied ourselves as a team that has been showing a lot of fight. And, you know, even the loss to Essendon, you wouldn't say that we gave that up. We were, I think we we're unlucky to lose that one. We've really started to break teams down on their forward entries and start to hurt them as we move the ball forward. At pace, especially Will Day. That was an incredible performance from Will Day. He just... uh, 16th game, I think. So this kid, I'm very excited. Like, we knew he'd be pretty good. Mm. The talent was there, but the kid's still skin and bone. He's running around people. He's got better awareness. Um, And then, of course, DGB... A little bit possessed out there on the weekend, didn't you think? Well, the Giants' mistake was roughing him up because that was the big turning point of the game. Once DGB decided that he wasn't going to take no guff from the Giants' players. It's a fantastic attitude he had. And I saw that he was rubbing in to the uh, Giants' players when they made errors. But Mm -hmm. also he, he knew when it was his turn and he went for it, didn't he? And unfortunately, obviously, the concussion and he misses this week and all that kind of stuff. But uh, that was a tackle, wasn't it, that wasn't looked at by the MRP? Yeah, I believe so. Um, the thing about DGB's game is it just leaves you salivating for more. I mean, he only played 56% game time, and you just can't wait to see what he could be because it was a solid debut, some good signs, seven touches, five intercepts. So that inside, what, half a game of footy, I'm quite pleased with that for a debut. Am I bullshitting to say that DGB changed the nature of that contest? 
No, that's what I'm implying. I'm implying exactly that. The turning point, it was right before Timmy's mark, which is obviously, when we'll get to that, listeners, that <laughs> lifted everyone out of their seats, and I'm sure it sent the, uh, the spirits of the players soaring too. But the thing that turned it was DJB having a bit of mongrel about him, which I love to see. And that denied mark. Yes, well. <laughs> that was a travesty, but yeah, he's just got... Now, we didn't see that at Box Hill. No. He was very um, controlled, assertive, very focused on the ball. So I, I began to think, watching the game, I was thinking, oh, look, he's, you know, he is getting his head turned. You know, mm. they're getting into the, into his mindset and taking him off his game. Not at all. He just stepped it up, didn't he? Well, I suppose the difference is that, you know, his one official VFL game being out at Windy Hill was, you know, he had it all on his terms. He wasn't seriously tested that day. So that might have been a factor as well. And the natural elevation, the step up to AFL might have had something to do with it as well. But didn't look out of place. He was looking very good indeed. Uh, Adam at Hook Talk Pod, one of our listeners here, just wanted us to talk heaps about DGB. He was fantastic. I agree, Adam. Uh, we could go on all day about him. Uh, Dino asks, earlier in the season, we were looking at the likes of Patton to be the, the hulking, physical, unsociable presence in the team. Got to be happy at the side of Cozzy and DGB at opposite ends, bringing that mongrel into our side. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I did not expect the mongrel out of DGB. And we know that, <laughs> that Cozzy likes to collect people on the way through and... I mean, we got that from Mitch Lewis as well. Remember, he got suspended for a week. There's mm. a bit of aggro from the big boys. Yeah, you got to have a bit of aggro for sure. And I'm that like... and that tackle from Burgers on on Green. Oh, yes, yeah, fantastic. Uh, you you mentioned Will Day before. I just want to sing his praises in terms of the stats here. Twenty nine touches, eighty two point eight percent disposal efficiency, six inside fifties. And uh, 634 metres gained. Jeez. And to put that into some kind of perspective, our next best for Hawthorne was uh, Shields of 471. So he is light years ahead in that stat there. And uh, he was just pretty much best on ground, you'd have to say. Some of the stuff he did out there is not, it's not going to be recorded on a stat sheet. It, it's a whole vibe and mood and look of his game, his style. And he gets sensational style points, Will they? <laughs> Honestly. It's just, uh, you know, we've likened him to, and it's funny we bring him up, Sean Burgoyne before. He, he does have a touch of silk about him, Will Day. There's time and space, but there's also the acceleration that Burgoyne had earlier in his career. That's right, yeah, which we've been watching plenty of this week. Oh, there's some great highlights. And you think about how durable he is, you know, to change your game when you lose that pace. Mm. Anyway, we'll get on to Burgers. <laughs> but, yeah... <laughs> We need to stay with the back line, and I, you know, I mention this guy every week now. I think it's me that brings him up because I just, I, I am a huge fan of Jack Scrimshaw. His season's been unbelievable, and he carried it on again. Twenty-eight touches at eighty-five point seven percent disposal efficiency. Eleven of those are contested. When you are finding that much footy and using it that well, I mean, what an asset to this team. But it's the intercepts. It's yep. the clean intercepts, and then straight back at them. And mm. I think uh, Scrimshaw has nine intercepts with three intercept marks and Will Day has ten intercepts with one intercept mark. You also had Daniel Howe back there. Yeah, well, who- we need to talk about Daniel Howe because, like I said, I'm a huge fan of Jack Scrimshaw. A guy that I haven't been a huge fan of is Dan Howe, and he's turning me around, Tiz, I have to say. Well, so he should. Look, 80, 87% DE. Yeah. Eight scoring involvements. I know. I mean, one of the knocks on him from me has been his decision-making. Well, you can't look at the numbers and say any differently than he's making the right decisions. 
He's well, he, doing it. He just needs to get the ball more often to oh, make he? more decisions correctly. Well, he's, he's got 31 on this occasion. No, that's what I mean. It looks better. If you <laughs> yeah, only get well, 10 and you bugger okay. one up. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I see what you mean now. Uh, so Dan Howe, one of, the, one of the better Hawks on the day as well. And, and what about this guy, Dylan Moore? 20 touches, kicked 4-1, easily could have been 5. Nine score involvements, the most of any Hawk. He's a very special, exciting player, Dylan Moore. I need to see him turn that on more. That's my only knock on him at this point. I've been steadfast in saying that we should be giving him a contract, but it's the consistency. Yeah, do you think he'll uh, remain the side this week, Nick? Or I see what you're doing, and I won't fall into that trap. <laughs> All in good time, my friend. All in good time. <laughs> the team announcements will come when I'm good and ready. Uh... See, everyone listening to this... They already know who's Yeah, here. yeah, it's they only, already know. Yeah, literally, maybe on planet Earth, you're the only person that doesn't. Enough. <laughs> we'll get to it soon, I promise. What did you think of uh, Dylan Moore, anyway? 15 uncontested, 6 contested, and 4 marks, 4 goals, 1. Almost best on ground. He was a match winner, no doubt about it. I mean, what, 3 goals of those came in the last quarter, didn't mm. they? Yeah, That's insane. I mean... You can't ask any more from Dylan, but you see there's one stat in the second quarter. Mm. But that's the beauty of... I think he's becoming a mercurial forward. Yes. Very hard to do it and stay at the level of a mercurial forward. That's right. That's the word. That's the word. I can't get it out now. But... Uh, one of our listeners, I believe it was... Uh, and, and apologies if I've got your name wrong. I think one of our listeners, Liam, posted a thing today send it to us, that was a side-by-side comparison with how Luke Brewster was travelling at this age, the same age as Dylan Moore. Staggeringly similar stats. Yeah, well, Luke Brewster's taken him under his wing. I mean, it's not... Yeah. He, Luke Brewster's his biggest fan. Yes, true. It's quite, it's quite lovely to see that kind of relationship between two forwards that are meant to be competing for a spot. But yeah. honestly, it's just like a tutelage. Fairly good player to model your game on, must be said. Luke Bruce has had a fair what, bit of success. Well, what I was going to say is Moore breaks down the defence at the end of the game. Mm. That is his fitness. That is yeah, his... exactly. I was going to say, we've seen his endurance. I mean, the time trial alone, apart from all the other work he's done, but that alone is testament to that. We know that he can run out games strongly. And uh, he did exactly that. I want to hats off to uh, Lockie Bramble as well who uh, he didn't have a spectacular game by any means, but he was there when it mattered and he contributed well when the game was on the line. He had two goal assists in that final quarter. Wasn't he had three. Three to Dylan Moore. Well, I was going to say. For the was, game, I remember that. I was going to say, he was feeding Dylan Moore his goals. So, <laughs> well done, Lockie Bramble. It's, it's only his second game. He doesn't waste the touches, does he? That's true as well, yeah. So that's what, that I, really that's what I like about him. And he's... Inside 50s look really good. He's in good positions. Um, yeah, I I very much admire Bramble, I think. I can see a lot of potential there. We had a couple of guys that were down on the day. You'd have to say Cozzy. Um, he had his work cut out, I guess. He, he did, but, you know... One of it, the premium defenders. It's worth pointing out. I mean, the consolation with that is that uh, Finlayson for the Giants did absolutely bugger all as well. So the two key targets up yeah, forward well, for both teams didn't have a great day. We uh, we obviously earmarked Finlayson as a target that uh, wasn't to have any impact on the game at Correct. all. Yeah, and uh, that worked wonderfully. We blanketed him beautifully. Yeah, but totally. Kaczynski could have done much better. I mean, he had a seventeen percent disposal efficiency, 
But he yeah. managed to keep Phil Davis out of a lot of the game. Mm. He was still a presence. Yeah. So he was at least bringing that. Uh, th- this was a game that just had a number of super enjoyable moments for Hawks fans that really will linger in the memory for some time. And one of those was uh, Jai Newcomb's first goal. And I- I'm going to say the moment that he took the mark, I was very excited because I felt like I knew what was coming. Well, I, I knew he was going to have a ping, because I've oh, seen yeah. him about that range before, and he yeah, had a ping that time as yeah, well. Yeah, you've remember? called it before, yeah. So, <laughs> so you probably would have been in a similar mindset as me. I was just there going, can he do it? Can I... those little legs <laughs> pump that ball that far? I thought it was going to be a goal, and when it sailed through, I was absolutely ecstatic for it. That was so, how, good, how good is that for a first goal? I mean, it did have a little bit of the old, look at me... Didn't it? Because that was a wonderful goal. What is incredible is that there is really nothing look at me about Joe Newcomb. He is such a... He seems like such a modest, cool cat. But the moment arrived. Yeah. And he delivered. But you've got to keep in mind, let's let's contextualise this. Pre-game, he's having a shot on goal. You know, the boys are just warming up. And uh, the social media team for the clubs out there, they're just saying hello to the guys and seeing if they can capture anything on camera. I, I don't Put think I've seen this. You're not aware of this? No, I've not seen this. Okay, so <laughs> this is so good. So Jai's on the boundary. He's walking back into position. One of the social media guys for the clubs accosts him and, and points out that, oh, is this your this is your first time at the MCG, period. And Jai's like, yep, that's all he has to say about it. <laughs> and so the social media guy prompts him. He's like, what do you reckon? And Jai says, yeah, not bad. <laughs> what, about an hour later, yeah. he's sinking one from 50. Yeah. Not, not a massive crowd, I mean, sub 10,000, but what an incredible moment for the kid. The modesty is just incredible. Aren't you glad we've started playing the kids? Yeah, that's. I'm incredibly glad. The commitment to it is there. They're really exciting. Bramble looks good. Oh. Yeah, Will Day just boggles the mind. DGB, he yeah. looks like it'd be leadership material at least. There's just so much to be excited about with this rebuild. And you can look at, look at last week's lineup alone, just how many players, and you kind of touched on it there, how many players are like sub-20 games who are just absolutely exhilarating to watch right now for Hawthorne? You cast your mind back to round one. This has been... It's been a project year, and I think we've been doing it well. Round one, we brought in Cozzy, Brockman. I know Downey was, you know, he was a debut, but of course he was the sub. Doesn't count. No, it doesn't really count. Um, So we've been doing this. We've been committing to this rebuild, and I think it's paid dividends already. I'm excited to see where we go with it. Uh, Other talking points. I think we need to point out that uh, Johnny Segler, you wouldn't say he was best on the round, nowhere near it. But he bounced back from where he was. He got towelled up the week before, and we're all really annoyed about it. Well, he had big expectations after his performance of the week prior. Exactly. He was very impressive against the Swans and couldn't back it up. He returned to form this week. He was the dominant ruckman on the ground. Yep, and 10 contested, 7 uncontested, 7 marks around the ground, 3 of them intercepts, 5 clearances. Yep, so well done, Johnny Segler. Credit where it's due. If we're going to have a go at you last week... We have to sing your praises this week because think, I think he bounced back pretty well. And, and I now, thought Warple was pretty good too against a, a high-calibre midfield. I enjoyed his game. Yeah, well, the Giants' midfield is a very strong one considering their ladder position. They're no slouches. And I don't think Warple was in our best, but, uh, you know, a bit of an unsung hero. What did you think of Tommy? Tommy Mitchell. I thought his disposal efficiency was in the toilet. 
But what, how many? 78%. Oh, was it? <laughs> yeah. I thought it was in the 50%. I must have been thinking of someone else. Um, what did he have? About 40 touches in the end. He got he? 40 exactly, yeah. Okay, there you go. All right. Well, uh, seven good con- on you, Tom Mitchell. It was a great game. <laughs> seven, seven contested, 33 uncontested. Who was I thinking of? Uh, might have been Tom Phillips as well. I don't even think Tom Phillips had that bad disposability efficiency. I tell you what, they were looking for Daniel Howe. Yeah. Know? Two contested to 28 uncontested. He's, wow, yeah. They're playing through him. Yeah. They reckon he does make good decisions. Yeah, well, who am I to argue at this stage? Clearly well, something's working. Yeah, the last few weeks it has it has definitely been moving through Daniel Howe. He holds it up well. I'm not, you know, but it's just, it's just shifting. Hawthorne's game mm. plan seems to be moving into a, a much more attacking phase. We were very, very defensive yeah. early on. And now it looks like the strings are coming together. I mean, the chains of possession are yeah, coming that's together. Right. Yeah, the cohesion is starting to come through. Uh, I'm amazed that we've contained ourselves for this long. We have to talk about it. We had this question from Matt at Hawk Talk Pod. I'm not one to exaggerate, but did we witness the mark of the century on Sunday? <laughs> the mark of the century. The mark of the century. It felt exceptionally good. Yeah. Would have been about five minutes later. I noticed Bruce was in that contest. <laughs> Oh, mate, I'll always remember. One of my takeaways from sitting there at the game, I saw Timmy come in and I called it. I reckon I was the only one in Kui there. Really? I was the only one who said, he's got the sit! And then he launched and and everyone was out of their seat. Such a good moment. I'm quietly chuffed that I was the one to call it. (laughs) Well, it, it, it did have that anticipation. You could see the 23 heading... Eyes only for the football with the pack facing him. Yeah. And then he just launched. Consider all the ones he's put down. That one on the weekend is the most unlikely one for him to reel in. Considering his position, his, his lead up to it, like his approach at the contest, you would think that that would be the one that he'd drop. It's not just that. He goes horizontal on the way down <laughs> yes, when he has exactly. to hold it. Yeah. I thought it was a fantastic landing. Because oh, that's yeah. one of the hardest parts. You can ask Luke Bruce about that. I think. <laughs> he, he did bend the knee. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad Timmy didn't hit the knee on the way down. Yeah, yeah that, that could have been a lot uglier than but it you actually you got to protect yourself. But um, no, fantastic, Mark. The noise for oh, yeah. that few people. Yeah, it, it did not feel like there was less than 10,000. It felt about triple that. The noise was absolutely incredible. And the stakes were so high. Every Hawthorne supporter there knew... What it meant. Oh, yeah. I mean, we've been waiting so long for it. And, and so is Timmy. He would know. He would understand what it means. He was fairly, you know, not bragga- braggadocious, was he? No, he I was... Think that's who he is. I think that's his character. And that's a credit to him. But he would have it hanging over him that I really should be sticking a few more of these. Oh, I guess so. Yeah. but He would know. But that's a fantastic photo. <laughs> All, everything about it's fantastic. So good. That, that's an all-timer. I'll always remember that. And then he went back and kicked it, which I loved even more. Yeah. Well, so he should have. It was about 15 <laughs> metres out. <laughs> a little worried if he missed. Well, uh, yeah, it's one of those moments we'll take out of this year. That and Newcomb and uh, Brockman's hooked. Yep. Banana against Essendon and Timmy kicking well, the winner against well, Essendon. This is something that I realised today. And, and, I... and Timmy falling back behind the ball against... Who did we beat again? It was there? Adelaide. Adelaide, The game yeah. that we were there for. And that only occurred to me today. I was like, geez, Timmy's had a hand in 
Quite that's a true, though. He, he bloody turned it on right in front of us, didn't he? He did. Yeah, he <laughs> was playing that into the ground. So, look, uh, hats off to Timmy. That's well earned. I mean, what a spectacular mark. It's been a long time coming and... Multi-year contract coming. Well, I, I still... I, I was wavering... He's been, this is about his most consistent year, I've got to say. I was wavering for a little bit there. I would say pre-season, and you can check this, you can... Uh, no one's cor- going back. Corroborate this season guide if you've got it. Uh, I do believe that Tim O'Brien will be in brown and gold next year. There was probably a few rounds there where I wasn't so sure, but I'm kind of back on that train now. And not just because of the mark, mind you. <laughs> Though that is uh, quite seductive. Well, he played pretty well too. He took a couple of fine marks and... Uh... Well, a couple of goals, yep. Well, he also set up a few goals. This was a game where we seemed to mark absolutely everything. Did you notice? I thought... Putting McAvoy forward was brilliant. I mean, mm-hmm. it pushed Cozzy out of the game a bit. Yeah, but never. but McAvoy was great. <laughs> it was. Uh, this stat comes from Fox Footy. I thought this is interesting. The Hawks were the worst team in the competition for time in forward half differential, according to Champion Data, for the first eleven rounds of the season. Now, over the past three games, we've soared to number one. That's led to an increase in scoreboard pressure, jumping from sixteenth to fourth in the league for points from intercepts. So as you're saying, those intercepts are super important to us right now. Well, that's the halfback flankers. Yep. They are really good. It surprises me that Jarman Impey's not in the lineup when that kind of stuff's happening. Well, he's not going to be in the lineup for a while, sadly. He's gone in for ankle surgery. I mean, that's pretty unfortunate training mishap for Jarman. And it does make you think just how good, how much better could this back line be? It's already stacked with talent. And now you've got Impey and Sicily on the sidelines, both of them. Premiership's... A one from defence, Nick. That's right. This we know. This is Clarko's philosophy. Sometimes it's frustrated us, but it's all starting to come together in a nice, neat little package. It is a fantastic defence. We're now watching him fix up the wings. Yes. And he's getting the half forwards going. That's right. Yeah, that is the key here. Defence has been our strongest line for a number of years now, and he is starting to troubleshoot the rest. Now that he knows that he's, he's Clarko's confident... In what he's got with defence, he can leave them alone for a while. He can trust them and he can start fixing the rest, which is coming together. And I think we need to look at where it's coming together, especially. Uh, and that's the reserves. Box Hill smashed Aspley. Oh, here we go. Yep. The yeah, time's about to come. Uh, what was it? 62-point win in the end? They were challenged early, Box Hill. Aspley got away to a, uh, a four-goal to nothing lead. I don't think Box Hill even challenged the scoreboard till about the 30-minute mark of the first quarter, but... This is the thing about this Box Hill side, and we've said it time and time again. You cannot let them get any avenue to getting back into the game. Because they will. And if you do that, they'll roll you. Box Hill just have a remarkable habit of putting teams to the sword. And they did it again against Aspley. Once they got back into the contest, they just ran away with it. No trouble at all. So, Ollie Hanrahan, 30 touches again. And a goal. Yeah, 30 touches, two marks, three tackles, and a goal used uh, in the midfield and forward. So spending a lot more time sort of on the ball is paying dividends for Ollie. He's being uh, very prolific in that role. Uh, another guy that we like is Emerson Jecker, of course. The Jecker Express, jump aboard. Four goals, two. Yeah, and 20 touches, if you don't mind. 11 marks. I mean, you've got to have it on a string, don't you? That, that's a hell of a work rate for a big fella. And can I just contextualise this? Reading Sam Mitchell's report of the Box Hill game... He saw Emerson Jekka's game as one where he wasn't quite as good as being the link-up player. So kind of what Timmy does in the seniors. He'll lead up to the wing, and then he'll be the one to distribute inside 50. Emerson Jekka does that a lot, 
Not really a strength of his game this week. And yet, 20 touches, 11 marks, and four goals too. <laughs> so, so what? He was picking the wrong options. Is that what he's saying? <laughs> well, all I hear is Sam Mitchell thinks he has room for improvement. And then I look at the stat sheet. I'm like, okay, all right. Well, I'm happy with that. If you think he could have played better. All right. Well, he's not in the first this week. I take it, Nick. in a sec. Hold on. Finn McGuinness, 14 touches, two marks, four tackles. Doesn't sound like too remarkable a game. You've got to understand he was playing on Ryan Bastanak, who, Um, yeah, you'd be familiar with him. He played about 160 games of AFL. Oh, yeah. He lives rent-free in your head, doesn't he? Because he played for North. Yeah, well, he played for North and Brisbane. (laughs) Uh, I don't know. I think he might have notched up more games for Brisbane. I forget. But... In the VFL, he's been averaging like 32 touches. He's been having 40-plus disposal games. He's been doing what he wants on the ball. Uh, he had 12 this week. Wow. So Finn McGuinness completely blanketed him, and that's the second time in a row that Finn's done that. So Finn had more touches than he did. Yep, Finn had more touches. Uh, and that's, yeah, as I say, the second time. Finn went to work on Essendon's captain the week before, and he's done a number of Ryan Bastanak. So, you know, a fairly modest game his, on the stat sheet, but he's, he's doing well. Finn. His confidence will be high now. I think so, yeah. Speaking of confidence, one goal three, Josh Morris. Did he look any better? I'm not sure. I've got to say, when I tuned into the coverage of 3WBC, is it? Which is enormously entertaining. Like, it's, it's good, isn't it? I very much enjoyed that. Like, time. early on, you hated that. I, don't, I wouldn't say I hated it. It was too avuncular. Yeah, there was just kind of a leisurely, casual air about it, which it didn't quite connect or resonate with me at first, just because I'm used to the faux professionalism of, of the major but it TV works. network. It does. It, you know, it's, it's charming. It won me over. So I very much enjoy 3 And you get little tidbits and bits and pieces about the players and their lives. and Exactly right. And yeah. I like, you know, the banter between the commentary is really good as well. Um, yeah, didn't hear much about Josh Morris. Sam Mitchell has noticed that, you know, he was, he's been down on his confidence. But one goal, three, I mean... He's got the talent. He's just got to yeah. get the head right at the moment. One bloke who has the talent, hasn't had the head right, probably... Or the opportunities have been few and far between. He's had some odd roles in that Box Hill side and some even more difficult roles in the senior side. Without making too many excuses for him, Connor Nash comes out and tell us what he did, Nick. Welcome to Connor Corner, a podcast within a podcast devoted to discussing all things Connor Nash. Hit the jingle. Nash, Nash, Nash. Nash, 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 Nash. N-A-S-H, Nash. N-A-S-H, Nash. Nash, 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 Nash. Nash, 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 Nash. We got a jingle. We got a jingle that's credited to uh, the guy who sings your name over and over. (laughs) An artist on YouTube. So thanks for that. Lovely gentleman, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, Connor Nash, what a game. Plugged into the midfield, which is a foreign role for him, and 28 touches, nine clearances. Nine clearances? Yeah. Connor Nash, nine clearances? Come and he's on. kicking the ball at you know armpit height. It was weird. <laughs> Three marks, six tackles, and a goal. That is a career best, surely. One of the greatest unconventional midfielders I have ever seen. Absolutely. You do not expect that from Connor Nash. A guy of his build... I, I look... I didn't see it coming. I didn't think we'd ever see him played in that role. Do you think, like, I hit up the podcast with a whole lot of questions on Connor just so I could get to talk about <laughs> it. See. But one of them was, how on earth did Sam come up with this? I don't know. And I don't know why he came up with it. Well, I, I can kind of see why. I mean, they didn't they didn't have much 
physicality over the ball in the in the twos at Box Hill. So I suppose so, but you know, Aspley weren't setting the world on fire. You know, they, they they're not a top eight team. No, but we started poorly. There was no drive yeah, in that okay, midfield. Connor Nash comes in, big hulking fella. Yeah, the bash and crash of Connor Nash. Is that what you're referring yeah, to? Yeah, exactly. And it worked. It did work. There's no doubt about that. I mean, there wasn't a lot of finesse, but the ball was going forward and he was winning it on his own terms. Hmm. Well, when you're winning by 62 points, I don't really give a stuff about finesse. <laughs> Clearly something's going right, right there. So, uh, no, good on Connor Nash. And, um, oh, look, should we get to the team? He was just everywhere. I said, he's shall got... we get to the team? Oh, I don't want to hear that he's not in, to be quite honest. <laughs> okay, well. Give me the outs first, because I think right. Day was limping. Yeah, Wingard's was... obviously out. Yeah, and Granger Brass came and, with concussion. Yeah. So uh, the round 16 team, Hawthorne versus Port Adelaide, Saturday 3rd of July, 7.40pm at Marvel Stadium. The outs are indeed Wingard with a hamstring complaint, Granger Brass with concussion, and Will Day has in fact made way with an ankle complaint as well. Mm. So, with all that in mind, we have three outs, we have three ins. We know one of them's Burgoyne, who's been elevated from the sub. Oh, damn. <laughs> Would have been a bit of a bummer to be wearing a T-shirt. No, but I can thing. tell who's going to be medical sub. <laughs> okay. So, who's going to come up? Uh, you got two more spots to need a f- Need a defender. Mm-hmm. So, um, I mean, I haven't been that impressed with him, but I suppose... Greaves is a sort of like-for-like player. Damon Greaves is in. Ranger for a ranger. That's a smart choice. Well done, Clarko. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's how he goes by. (laughs) All right. Well, I guess that just leaves one spot. Got to have one ranger in the lineup every week. Yeah. Just the one spot now. It's got to be Connor. Come on. I'm going to read you the emergencies. Oh, wow. Ollie Hanrahan has scored a spot among the emergencies. Now, he could have have got called up. James Cousins. Mm. Finn McGuinness. You're so cruel. And Emerson Jecker, Nash is in the side. <laughs> Nash is in the starting line. All right, now we bet 16. on him for first goal. And that's it. <laughs> then we walk away millionaires. <laughs> I've done it before. It worked. That's right. We did do it. Glad they've rejoined the pairing of Burgoyne and Nash in the lineup because. <laughs> you know, that classic dynamic duo of Burgoyne and Nash. It's historic. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, Impy and Chad, there's no justice in this world. They deserve to be there for Sean's 400. They do. Yeah, it's a bit oh, sad. Well, it's just a funny way of things working out that way. But yeah, look, what do you think of that lineup? So three ins, uh, Burgoyne, Greaves, and Nash. Oh, it's a lot weaker than last week. Yeah, it certainly is. Um, you know, Wingard, Wingard and Day, Granger Barras still has to prove himself. He's just had the one game. But yeah, Wingard and Day are big losses. Where do you think Nash lines up? I I'm actually not sure. Does, does it have <laughs> I'm a, looking, I've got the lineup right in front of does me. Does it right have here. a medical sub allocated? Um, no sign of a medical sub from what I can see. I mean that'll be announced obviously closer to game time, but um, Hopefully it's Greaves. Well no Greaves is in the lineup. Yeah, but he's oh is he? Yeah, no, it's picked from the emergency. So it'd be Hanrahan, Cousins, Jekka, or McGuinness, and I'd be inclined to say that Where's Connor? <sighs> is he in the midfield? He might be. <laughs> <laughs> He is whatever dead, Sam dead whatever Sam could do. He is dead set alongside John Segler and Tom Mitchell as a follower. Excellent. That is insanity. Excellent. I can't wait. This is going to be a great. I wonder night. if we'll see it. It'll be fun. Well, uh, I got my seat um, in uh, in the bay that I think Sean Burgoyne will leave um, next to. I think I'm at the opposite end of the ground. 
But if it's looking like a Hawthorne wing, you know where I'm going. I'm heading right around there. Yeah, well, we were we were there for Ruffy's farewell. That was. And, uh, right at that point, yeah. And odds of me shedding a tear are paying at $1.01. I will definitely be crying on Saturday evening, so... Oh, it's just wonderful. We saw this could happen at the start of the year, and they've it's it's come about. Hawthorne versus Port Adelaide for the 400th. Yeah, people called this from a long way out, including us. And uh, yeah, it's amazing that it's amazing that it's come to that. We had a number of questions, obviously, around Silk's 400th. This one from Hogan's Heroes 108 is Silk the best player to have played for Hawthorne to have never won in Best and Fairest. Wow, it's a hell of a question. Got to be in the conversation. He's contributed so much and been so consistent in his roles. Also, you know, when he's been played as a bit of a Mr. Fix-It, he's applied himself brilliantly, no matter what he's tasked to. Yeah, I'm not sure Tucky ever got one. Okay, well... (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Sean. Uh... (laughs) Better luck next year if you play on. (laughs) And And even if you do play on, you'll still fall fall short of Tuck in one sense. So, good luck. (laughs) What is this? Uh, t- well, I mean, two <laughs> out of five in the 400 game players, and, mm. and, and Sean will be the first Aboriginal player to reach that milestone. And uh, it's not just how good he is on field. Mm. Off field, Sean is emblematic of what it is to be a statesman of the game. Yeah. And he he's so good with the young players. Mm. Oh, and, the, the team loves him. Yeah. Oh, well, you would, wouldn't he? Yeah. Whenever you see him at the family days, or what used to be the family days when they occurred, yep. um, he was always giving, and you know you can see with his family in the videos that Hawthorne have put together, mm. he's just got some really good values that um, he's prepared to well, pass on and, and live by. He's a, a credit to not only himself, but uh, Hawthorne as a club who took, who saw what he could be and took a risk, because... I mean, even at the time, Port Adelaide had basically given up on him, on his injuries. Yeah, yeah. And um, it looked like a bit of a Hail Mary. Mm-hmm. And a few of us were, you know, well, he might give us a season or two, but... Yeah. Low expectations, considering where he was coming from, but... Here we are in 2021, and he's still in the lineup. He's still <laughs> beating I, his opponent. I've got to hand it to the, the question asker here. Like, it is quite odd. That he doesn't have a best and fairest. Do you think he's the exact sort of player who'd win one? Well, he's a, he's a big moment player. Yeah, yeah. He's He's been in positions where he, he sacrifices his game and you're not likely to get all the votes every week. We've got bigger limelight luminaries than, than Sean in the side for much of that period. Well, well, but he got is, very close. This is it. Like, he is a, you know, he's a superb player. That, you know, his quality is just off the charts, but... It's a testament to the kind of team that we're running out with <laughs> in the three-peat era where a guy like Sean Burgoyne, a guy of that calibre, can just sort of fade into the background momentarily. But, um, it, but he always said he wants to help the team win as, as well as he can. It was never really about Sean. Hmm. And in those moments, he was just doing desperately whatever he could to get that, that team over the line. I loved listening to that when they were interviewing him. How did you... How did you do that in that final quarter of the 2013 
prelim. You well, know? we need to talk about that because there were some moments that, you know, in Sean's career where it was definitely about him. And that is one that will always be in footy folklore, Hawthorne folklore forever. Michael asks us, is there a more iconic Hawthorne pick than Silk's post-goal swoop? in the 2013 prelim, apart from, of course, Super Timmy from the weekend. I haven't heard it called swoop before, but I love that. It is a swoop. Yeah, that, that motion of the arms on film and just, yeah, maybe know, we should, soaring Maybe through. they should animate him into a hawk. That would be a good idea. There's one for the, for the Hawthorne social media team, and not me. <laughs> not <laughs> you? Well, you've been, been going nuts with I've the Timmy pretty, stuff. Yeah, I've been pretty busy this week. What did you do? You did uh, the Titanic one? <laughs> I did the Titanic Which I remix. hated myself for watching as many times as I did. <laughs> yeah, I did um, Space Odyssey. Yeah. Uh, Star Wars. So Space Odyssey. Yeah. That's the best for me. Okay, fair enough. That was by request. I took that. And then as soon as I mentioned it was by request, I was flooded with other requests. Oh, no. I I love our community, but uh, only so many hours in the day, folks. So (laughs) need need to go on with, uh, funnily enough, preparing this show. So I couldn't sit there and edit all day. The the spirit was there, but I just... I'll get, I'll, I think listeners expect this by now. I'll always give 100% of this podcast where I'm able to. Um, It is a swoop. And it is one of the most iconic Hawthorne picks that there is. I love that the iconic pick is before the three-peat. It's yeah. at the very start yeah. of it. Yes. And yet that's become one of the big symbols. Adam asks us, what are your thoughts about Silk playing more than 400? And tis, I'm not sure that he will. I'm half expecting that he calls time after this, after what will hopefully be a, a wonderful night of celebration. Do we have to say goodbye to Burgers? I really don't want to. I don't want to celebrate him and say goodbye on the same occasion. I know. It's kind of, kind of why I'm glad that he hasn't announced it yet. Yeah. So I'm glad that we just get this night in all of its purity. Just the milestone. Yeah. And you whatever happens to, from there... We'll... You don't have to think, oh, well, that's the last time. See the kick from Ruffy around the corner. <laughs> that was a wonderful moment. I just hope... Why are they happening at Marvel? I just... I don't know. We could be playing at the G as well. That's what we've learned. (laughs) Everything that's happened this week, we could be playing at the G. But, oh, mate, I'm just excited to go. I'm excited to be part of it. Excited to be getting my shirt in the mail, hopefully tomorrow. It's quite strange, actually. Suddenly, we we are the place to be once again. Like it says Mm. on the the license plate. (laughs) Took a while. Jenny asks us, on a scale of one to one million, how emotional are you about Saturday night? I'm up near the mill. I think it's pretty evident from what we've said in the last few minutes, Jenny, that I think we're right there with you. It's going to be an amazing night. And I'm really not even thinking about the result. I sure hope that we get the win for Burgoyne, but I think it'll just be a sensational occasion anyway. Well, I mean, both both, um, supporters, I'm not sure how many Port Adelaide supporters will be there, but even in in their homes, I, I imagine they'll be appreciative of what Sean did for their club. Um, the inaugural premiership is such a massive thing, hmm. one of the hardest things to do, and, and he was an amazing player for them. It's been reflected in the media all this week. It's not just about Hawthorne. It's just a big love-in from both clubs. There, there's so many really fantastic Port Adelaide highlights from, from Sean Burgoyne's reel that, I mean, look them up. I mean, there's this... The speed, the mercurial stuff that he... Well, I remember that 04 grand final, and they hmm. were... They were incredible that day. The haymakers from Alistair also <laughs> in my brain too, but oh, they were very good, very good side. And for us to to get all that experience um, in what was an overachieving young side when he arrived, mm. um, they'd become complacent and he just, then they lost in 2012 and he sort of 
brought them all together and they regrouped and mm. it's a great story titan of the club is sean burgoyne so we're super amped for saturday night we need to get to some miscellaneous listener questions now we heard from lauren out of mitchell lewis jecka and cozzy uh, who would you want in the team given current form and circumstances? Noting, of course, that Cozzy, as we mentioned, didn't have the greatest game against the Giants. No, he didn't. But have we seen anything of Mitchell Lewis? No, no. We were discussing off mic. He's in a bit of a precarious situation. Mind you, he is contracted through to the end of 2022, so he's not about to fall off the list immediately. But Oh, well, there's no rush. No, it's fine. Um, no, no. Stay the, stay Cozzy, the needs a, Cozzy needs a contract. Yes, well, that is the priority at this point. Uh, we heard today that CJ, um, it was confirmed by Mitch Cleary that um, CJ triggered uh, an extension through to the end of 2022. I'd be extending that again by another two years, but that's just me. Uh, that'll do you remember? Time. Do you remember last year, about November, when he took the Hawthorne FC out of his oh, I know. profile on Twitter? Ugh. Yeah. Makes me cringe. Well, I mean, they, were, they left him in limbo for quite some time. That's got to be down to circumstance, though. Things were turned on the on oh, head, I, I really. guess so, but yeah. Anyway, look, yeah, stay the course. Obviously, they've made no changes um, as far as the forward line goes this week, and I'm content with that. Uh, I expect Cozzy to bounce back, and we'll see what happens. And as long as we keep on having Jekka knocking down the door, like he has been, um, yeah, it's it's coming together. Uh, we move on with this question from uh, Mitch at Hawk Talk Pod. While I agree there is something very exciting about the Jekker Express, will Ned Reeves be our most important player in the next flag tilt? Imagine Hawthorne, any of those great premiership sides with a premium ruck. Mm. We'd be indorable. Yeah. We would just... He's enormous. If we can get 90% out of Ned Reeves, yeah. we will be a hell of a club. He's an important piece of the puzzle in my mind, so I don't mind this from Mitch. I think it's can, a reasonable you, argument to make. You've seen what McAvoy can do when he drifts forward. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's exciting. Yeah. Ned Reeves is a good kick too. He's got good skills, as good as McAvoy. But we've already had a massive moment last weekend where Hawthorne basically set the stage for a new tradition. Hopefully we'll find out if the AFL are listening. But... <laughs> Hawthorne were in the VFLW. Port Melbourne looked like they were going to put them to the sword, didn't they? Um, well, Port Melbourne have had a fantastic season oh, in they... the VFLW, so I'm not sure if... It's the last round. Port Melbourne are looking at finals. Hawthorne yeah. are looking at going on holiday. Well, Hawthorne certainly aren't expected to prevail in this contest. Maybe on pure emotion, if anything, but still, you'd have to tip Port Melbourne and back them for the win. Uh, didn't happen. Hawthorne, VFLW, they defeated Port Melbourne by nine points, and... They gave Meg Hutchins the fairy tale that she so rightly deserved to finish her career. Uh, the contest actually culminated to his in a nail-biting finale, and uh, what better way to settle the result than off the boot of Hutchins herself? She gave the Hawks enough of a break to bring home that win, and the goal was probably the highlight of the match. Reports are that Steph Carroll, who's Meg's wife, of course, a trainer with the side, sprinted onto the field to congratulate yeah, her. Yeah, in celebration. Is, yeah, That's so good. You love to hear that. Uh, post-match, and this is the thing I think you might have been referring to, Port Melbourne presented Meg with a bouquet, a bouquet of flowers, celebrating her contribution to women's football in Victoria, which, as we know, has spanned over 250 games. And she was chaired off, and what it does is it just sets the tone for the, for the history of that football club that they're yeah. building, and they're building on these kinds of remarkable characters. Um, and the fact that they managed to 
it looked to be all over at quarter time mm. and even half time. They didn't look to be in it. But Hawthorne pulled themselves together. Yeah. And as a team, put them to the sword. Fantastic, fantastic. Uh, it all was really well for the club. It cultivates a sense of culture, basically. Um, Never say die. Yeah, found a way to grind out a win. They've done that. They've done that this season a couple of times. It's really impressive that they all stepped up to the occasion. They rallied around the occasion, and that was uh, Meg Hutchins' farewell. Got to sing the song one last time. Beautiful scenes out there, and uh, we wish her well. Fantastic contribution to uh, footy, women's footy in Victoria, and uh, all the best, Meg. Well, big week for the Hawthorne Footy Club. Three wins, checked them all off. I love when that happens. just feels like a, you know, for the brand. You know, for the brand, yeah, big franchise getting wins on all lines, and uh, it, was, it was fantastic fun. I mean, you know, sensational win for the senior men's side, and then Box Hill just absolutely smacked Aspley after quarter time. That was fun listing, and then you had the fairy tale ending for Med- Nick Hutchins, and doesn't get much better. Three from three, I love that. We need to wrap up. We've covered so much, and uh, we need to get out of here. So let's get to some social media stuff. We'd really appreciate it if you rated or reviewed our show on Apple Podcasts. That's uh, basically the easiest way to get people to find us. If you put us up in lights, leave a five-star review, say a few nice things about the pod, and uh, that's how we'll get people listening and, and build on the community, which we've done so over on Twitter, at Hawk Talk Pod. We've surpassed 2,700 followers. Massive thank you to our online community over on Twitter. Um, that's huge, and people really, you know, celebrated with us, which is great to see. Uh, you can also join our Facebook family, facebook.com slash hawktalkpod. And we're on Instagram too. You can just search Hawk Talk Podcast to find that one. And of course, as always, Patreon is the big one. You can uh, jump on board and support the show. Subscribe at any tier you like. The, the one with all the bonus content is the most popular one. Patreon.com slash hawktalkpod. And we had a couple of questions about when we're doing the uh, Burgoyne podcast. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I think people anticipated with the milestone coming up that we might have something up our sleeves. I think we've sort of just decided to hold off until, you know, he'll he'll retire eventually, whether it's after the game or it's in the coming weeks or at the end of the year. But uh, we thought we'd save some of our best stuff for that, keep something up our sleeves. There's been a bit of a, what would you say, a media... Blitz. Media blitz of how good (laughs) Burgoyne is, as if we needed to be reminded, so... Um, it'll be a, another treat in a couple of weeks, I'd imagine. Yeah, exactly right. So, uh, oh, mate, I just, it's, it's all about Saturday night at the moment. It's, what do you hope Clarko does? Uh, Nash in the midfield. Uh. No, I meant with Burgers. <laughs> does he play um, him back again or does he let him go forward? I, I need a Burgoyne goal. Yeah, that's on my wish list for Saturday night. I reckon it's on all the players' wish lists. Yeah, yeah. This is something we haven't talked about. Do you back us in? To me, the result, as it has been for a few weeks now, is is unimportant. Oh, I agree. But do you back us in? <laughs> do you think we're going to win? Oh, no, I think Port Adelaide have much more to play for than we do. And also, we've lost a couple of very, very integral players. But I think yeah. we'll make make a good effort. I think, oh, no, I I think uh, Port Adelaide would be unwise to think they would just roll us. Yeah, no, I wouldn't question Hawthorne's effort at this stage. I think they've proven themselves after the bye. We, we know what... I, I feel like there's safety and trust in what they're going to bring to the contest. But um, I remember how close we got to them last year. Yep, took them to the limit and we, when we weren't supposed to then either. No. But, but let me remind you that um, Sydney had a lot to play for. The Giants had a lot to play for. Essendon just snuck past us with a lot to play for. The Giants had a lot to play for. They did. They're trying to get into the top eight. Yeah, there was part of me that was like, let them win... 
get Tigers out of the eight. I mean, you know, there's plenty of time but for that, mate. Then I remembered. Round 23 is the new prophecy. <laughs> it's going to be Hawthorne to knock Richmond out of the eight and uh, resign. Oh, they're looking night. wobbly. They're looking, looking so wobbly. wobbly. Has the game Actually, started yeah, the it, it will have. Let's see. <laughs> Are the Suns up by 50? <laughs> the game just started. We're about five minutes in. No, we're not. No. Oh, three goals one to two goals one. Okay, well, that's. Suns ahead. Oh, what? Okay. Yeah. All right, well, that pleases me. Yeah. Oh well. <laughs> <laughs> well, by the time anyone's listening to this, they're going to know the result. But uh, look, I I give us a sneaky chance against Port Adelaide. I think it's about about time well, they're due to be exposed as pretenders again. <laughs> I mean, that's just the Port Adelaide way. <laughs> Port Adelaide pretenders. Yeah, that's it. That's it. it. You got to do one. That'll be it for the Hawthorne podcast this week. We are a happy team at Hawthorne.